2: Coming up on episode 270 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Polestar 2 Performance Package, the Rivian R1S, driving the all-new BMW 7 Series, including the i7, Honda's solid-state batteries, MINI teaches you how to drive a stick, and a bunch of listener questions. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 270 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam mcwool Sammit from GuideHouse Insights.
0: And I am Roberto Baldwin from The Verge. Ooh, The
2: Verge this week. So what have you been up to, Robbie, since we last spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago?
0: I've been around the world. I've been a lot of uh, places. But uh, when I finally came home uh, this week, I got to drive the R1S, the Ooh. Rivian the Rivian SUV. Uh, it's, you know, the truck is so, the R1T is so nice, and the R1S, just, it, they just continue to you know, it, create really nice cars. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult when you only have two of them. Mm-hmm. And they're essentially kind of the same. Uh, the R1S is 16 inches shorter um, than the R1T, so it's a bit more agile. Uh, but yeah, I had it for the. Week. Is the
2: wheelbase shorter as well, or is it just? Yeah, cut the wheel off wheelbase
0: is sh- yeah the wheelbase is shorter as well. I can't. Okay. I, I don't remember that number. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 shorter. Um, it does have a third row. Um, once I was, I got into it, it's fine for like sort of driving around town, but just getting in and out of it as a tall person is, is just, I felt like I was going to snap one of my legs off. Again, third rows, uh, unless you're, you know, a minivan or a, uh, a navigator for the most part, it's, it's definitely for children or for very short jaunts with adults. <laughs> um, but yeah, it drives well. Uh, you know, it's. Still quick. They gave me the. um, I had the uh, first edition, which is sold out. Um, But it had the uh, the quad motor, this you know motor at each wheel. Uh, It had the large battery pack, which is 135
2: something like that. that, Yeah. Yeah,
0: 135 kilowatts. Um, They've been doing updates to the uh, over the air updates, and now it'll DC fast charge at up to 220 kilowatts from a 450 volt architecture, so yeah, no, and, and it supports uh five hundred amp chargers, so when those come online you'll be ready to rock. Um so yeah, no, it's they you know, it, it it it's a definitely a vehicle that gets better over time. Um and uh you know, it's if they're still expensive. Starts this one starts at seventy eight thousand dollars, so whew,
2: wow <laughs> And and they're not they're not going to get any cheaper when they finally bring out the, the two-motor version.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the, then that's the two-motor version. The one I was driving, the starting price was... Okay, so the Adventure... So to use the Adventure is the one that you can get right now with a quad motor. And the large battery pack is $95,500. So it's not it's not an inexpensive uh, vehicle. Um, if you get the seventy eight thousand dollars one, I think you'll be fine. I don't think you need all four motors. You can get dual motors and be just just as happy. Yeah, I mean, you're still gonna have like six hundred horsepower. I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. Need... At some point, like it's just, what am I doing with all this horsepower in an SUV? Because you can't. You know, are are you on the track? Are you doing quarter mile runs all the time? <laughs> um, no, you're just cruising around town, and you, you know you can take it off road. Um, what is really well, cool you did is... need to
2: get to the under, other side of the intersection before everybody else. So
0: that's true, but you can still do that with like 600 horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could do that with my little, uh, my, my, my Kona because that initial hit, that yeah. initial torque is there. And then, after you know, you sort of diminishing returns after you keep going in the, in the Kona. Um, it's just the, the more powerful vehicles just keep, you know, accelerating for forever. Um, but you know these you know these are adventure vehicles. These are, 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 are very much a lifestyle, I think. Um, I think I've called them the Patagonia of, of vehicles. They're, they're outdoorsy um, but but expensive. And they have added uh, a few new features, which is uh, some of the stuff I tested. They had a pet mode, which they added, um, which is something I think every EV, everybody if you're making an EV, you should have some sort of pet mode. You should just steal that feature from from Tesla, because it's. It, it, sometimes I'll I'll be driving around and I'm like, oh, I need to run into a store, but I definitely do, even if it's for like a minute or two, because it gets. Because re- I know when you know whenever I have to do uh, videos in cars, we had to turn the air conditioning off so I can do voiceover. Mm-hmm. And when you know we do a few takes, and we got to you know turn the air conditioning back on because you're just like sweating. And dogs don't sweat like people, you know. They have to the pant, <laughs> um, and so yeah. So I, I so they have a they have a, a pet mode, um, and uh, I you know I did a video of the car, and I I didn't get a video, but if you once you lock the car, like the the center display pops up and says, you know, my pooch is safe or my animal's safe, and they're, they're enjoying air conditioning and I don't know Black Sabbath, whatever your your dog, cat, or potbelly pig enjoys when they're sitting <laughs> in your car, whatever their music musical preferences are. Um, so that was cool. They also have a, a whole suite of camping features now. Um, they have features so that you can have the car on, but without the external lights on. So you're not, like, hassling the other campers. Like, if, you wanna, if you're overlanding or if you're sleeping uh-huh. in the car. Um, this is especially if you have, like, kids. Sometimes people will go camping. They'll put the kids in the car to sleep because, you know, it's, it's warmer. Um, they also have so a signature the display. They have uh, um, energy usage. You can optimize how you're using the energy and uh, they they have this one really cool feature. is called um, like an auto leveling. And so let's say you park on a hill or a weird surface, mm. which, you know, when you go camping, it's not like you're going to like park on a nice asphalt slab right. all the time. Um, you 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 hit the little auto leveling. And you just sit in the car and wait. Cause, and it takes a few minutes. It's not it's not quick. Um, yeah, well, I, I noticed that now.
2: when I drove the R1T as well. If you put it into off-road mode and you want it put it up to maximum ground clearance. It takes several minutes for those air springs to pump up and and get you to maximum height.
0: Yeah, that air compressor really, really has to work to get it because it's nearly 7,000. Well, the R1S is nearly 7,000 pounds, so I don't know what the R1, I'm sorry, probably around the same.
2: The truck is about 73.
0: Yeah, so they're not light. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it takes a little bit. so yeah, so the, so you can auto level it, which is great for overlanding because you know you're sleeping essentially on top of your car. and if you're at an angle, like you're just rolling out of the <laughs> tent or whatever. yeah so yeah. so yeah, so that was so that was really nice. And it's, again, if you want to sleep in the car, if you or your kids or whatever or you're you know you're just driving cross country, which I've done that a few times where you, we just pull over and sleep in the car and then get back on the road in a few hours. So yeah, that was really cool, and it works really well. I put the little level um, on a, from the uh, from your iPhone in there, and I just mm-hmm. put it on the tailgate. And it's funny because you're like, oh, this is a five percent or five degrees uh, of of, of uh, angle, and you don't think that's a lot, but then you look at the car and you're like, oh, that is a lot. And then we you did it, and we got to like in my driveway, which is about three and a half four degrees of angle, I got to zero, and then out in the wilderness, I got to like. Negative one, which was, you know, once that's that's pretty that's good. So for four degrees, especially, yeah. especially the we, we we purposely found like a giant bump in order to put like the front left tire on. And so if you looked at the tires, mm-hmm. like they were all over the place. It looked really funny because the car is level. You take photos, and the car is level, but you look at the wheels, and the wheel like one's higher than the <laughs> other by like a few inches. And it's it you know it's a it's a cool feature for for people who. Who, uh, who want to sleep, or, or, you know, maybe you're, I don't know, serving hot drinks in the car when you're, <laughs> you yeah. don't want to spill them. You have very fine china. Yeah. Um, yeah, it still, it drives well. Um, their uh, Driver Plus ADAS system has gotten better. Um, adaptive cruise control is super chill. It's not very aggressive at all, which I'm always a fan of. Um, the uh, lane keeping assist, uh, it still needs some tweaking. Uh, for the most part, it works fine. Uh, super tight, you know, corners, uh, turns on the freeway. Uh, those, those, you know, some, you know, it's, it's sometimes you're, you need to sort of wrangle it away from the thing. But it's definitely not nearly as difficult to take control as say, like a Tesla, where you're essentially like fighting with the car to get control back. Um, overall, no, I think you know, I, I've said this again, and I'll, I'll just keep saying it. Lucid and, Ed and Rivian. Both of their first vehicles are great. They both have these really great vehicles. But they all both decided to build cars at the worst possible time <laughs> <laughs> because of everything that's going on. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the R1S, I'll, you know, I look forward to, you know, any future vehicles. And hopefully, you know, we can get some uh, less expensive vehicles from them in the future. Uh, I know 78000 is still for their... You know, there's still a lot of money. Um,
2: well, they are working on the, the R2 series. They've said that, um, yeah. which will be less expensive. Yeah, and I think you know, really, you know, the 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 class of vehicles they're competing with, competing against right now, you know, are the likes of Range Rover, the high end Jeeps. You know, like you know, this is probably you know competing. You know, the R1s competing with you know, loaded. Um, you know, Grand Cherokee, Jeep Grand Cherokee, four um, by e things like
0: that, which are which are uh, almost the same price. Like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's like, and you look at the truck market, and people are paying like seventy, eighty, a hundred something thousand dollars for for you know just a regular F one fifty Platinum or King Ranch or you know. It's, so it's it's that whole that whole market is it's a really expensive. Um, but I you know is I think I like the idea of. And essentially, you know, everyone's doing this where they're, you know, they're making EVs out of the top end of their line because they can afford to sort of take the, you know, they can they can add the extra money there because people who are willing to spend are able to spend $100,000 on a car. A few thousand dollars doesn't really matter to them. and right. And hopefully, they, you know, this sort of trickles back down to the $35,000 model at three that we were supposed to get. <laughs> That was the dream. They're supposed to get the. the cheap- it was.
2: It was briefly sort of, kind of available.
0: It was. It was like an off-menu. It was like. Yeah. A, it was like a like double double animal style. Yeah, <laughs> like you'd, you'd have to. You'd,
2: you'd have to actually call Tesla. You couldn't order it online. You actually had to call Tesla and say, "I want a thirty-five thousand dollars Model 3. and you know, it, it. It would. I mean, I didn't actually experience this, but my guess is it was probably kind of like the experience of you know ordering cable service. You know, we're, or TV uh, services yeah. are constantly trying to upsell you. It's like, yeah, you know, Man, you can fuck. get this one for thirty-five, but we really think you'll be a lot happier with this—you know, standard range plus or the long range yeah. version—you know, for forty-five or fifty or fifty-five thousand dollars. And um, and before you know it, you know, just you know, you, nobody's you get... buying the the thirty-five thousand dollar version. And then Tesla says, well, you know, we discontinued that one because nobody was buying
0: it. Well, they hit it, which, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna look and see what the okay potentials purchase price. Yeah, the starting price of a Model Three now is forty six thousand. Yeah, it's forty seven. really. it's forty six nine ninety. So yeah, I didn't get we didn't get. To, and uh, and
2: that that is with um, a, a CATL um, lithium lithium iron phosphate battery. Uh, so it's a Chinese made battery. Nothing wrong with that. It's a very good battery. CATL good makes battery. really good stuff. But, um, you know, if you were counting on, come January, the new version of the clean vehicle tax credits um, to be able to maybe get $7,500 off um, off of a Model 3 again. Um, nope. Nope. <laughs> because that Chinese battery disqualifies it. Um, and so actually none of the Model 3s, at least as currently available, will qualify because that's the only one that is under 55000 the others are all over fifty five thousand, so they're not quali- they don't qualify. The only Teslas that might qualify for the clean vehicle credit are the entry level versions of the model Y. Oh,
0: which, no the, the Model Y is really expensive.
2: Um yeah, I mean they they start at I think their current starting price is somewhere in the sixty six, sixty seven thousand yeah, dollar range.
0: Sixty oh, because it's the SUV, I forget the whole sorry, yeah. It's sixty six thousand, yeah.
2: And, and they don't currently offer a standard range version of the Model Y. Um, it's only, only available as the extended range and the performance. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I, I can see at some point you know, that they will add that. They do offer a standard range version with that same CATL battery in other markets. They just don't offer it in North America. Yeah. Again, probably because probably not a whole lot of demand for it.
0: Yeah. I, I, they've they got to put that list out of what who gets what because they've got to get a little bit of something. I don't even know uh, As far as so, the credits go? Yeah, I'm so confused. I'm still well, confused by the whole thing. There's a well, whole, the, the, the IRS the, has figured it out.
2: Yeah, well, that's the problem is uh, the IRS has to issue the final accounting rules for how they account for the the content value uh, in the batteries. Uh, and that's supposed to be published by December. Uh, you know, once they've done that, then the automakers can go through and Add up their numbers and see. Okay, what percentage of my content, it, you know, it, do I do I get to you know if I hit 40% content, and then I can qualify for some of these credits. Uh, so it's it's gonna we probably won't know until you know the first of the year you know early January yeah. you know, which vehicles actually qualify.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how people sort of adjust their their production and their or and their supply chain in order to like oh we're like right on the cusp. Yeah. We're more likely to sell more cars if we can get it, you know, to this thing. So let's order this from here and let's change this to that and, and
2: one one thing that one detail that will be interesting to watch when the IRS issues the rules is how they account for that um, that MSRP threshold because a few years oh. back in Canada they did a similar thing where they put a price cap, a $45,000 price cap. Uh, for the base price, in order to qualify for uh, tax credits there, and what Tesla did that you know n- none of their cars were below forty five thousand dollars at that point. They started offering a version of the Model Three for forty nine thousand or forty four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, one dollar below the threshold, but they software locked the battery so you only had ninety three miles of range.
0: And then you had and, to pay, and then
2: and then you could pay for an OTA. Software update after you bought the car that would unlock the rest of the battery, and the question is, you know, will the IRS do anything to prevent that sort of uh, gaming of the system? You know, yeah. like will they will they say that in order to qualify, um, you know, the entire battery capacity has to be available at that price point? Yeah,
0: and then you got to see, look at destination. Is it include destination? Uh, my what, guess what, is it, what, it won't. So what if everyone's destination fees go up three thousand dollars? I mean, that's
2: that's a possibility. I think Uh, Tesla's destination fees are already two thousand dollars. So much money. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll 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 keep revisiting this, you know, as the rules come out later in the year and early in the new year. For now, we don't really know anything. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean none. uh, I don't think, yeah, none of Rivian's vehicles actually qualify right now.
0: Yeah, they're just all too expensive.
2: Yeah, because you, you have to be below 80000 for a truck or an SUV, and they don't actually offer that two-motor version yet. So yeah, um, until that happens, they won't qualify. And the same is true for Lucid um, and a lot of a lot of other cars that
0: don't qualify. Yeah, I think that on the top end, I, think, I don't think they really care. Yeah. I think they're really like, oh, it'd be nice, but no one cares, you know. Again, if you're spending thousand hundred thousand dollars on a on a car, you know saving a few thousand bucks is like yeah. It's
2: it's if when you're at that price point, you're you're going to be less price sensitive than you know somebody who's looking for a thirty thousand dollar car. People like me. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Anything else on the Rivian R1S?
0: Um. No, I can't think of anything.
2: Okay, do they do they also have the does Does the R one S have the built in um, air compressor so you can air, when you go off road you can air down yeah. your tires and then pump them yeah, back it up d- again? Yeah,
0: it does have the air compressor. Um, it has like you know outlets in the back. It has a little speaker underneath mm-hmm. the center, the Bluetooth yeah, speaker you can pull out little, from under the you console. You can pull out and have a have a DJ dance party out in the middle of the woods. You know, um, yeah, it has all these like the, the little weird. Um, Rivian amenities that you know, people who want to go out and do weird things outdoors can do. So, yeah, no, it's it's it has all the the cool little things that you can do while you are out there. And it's uh, no, it's it's a uh, you know, I had all terrain tires on it, so that really just like destroyed the range yeah. <laughs> because three sixteen, and then you throw those those uh, it was on the twenty inch wheels, which you are like oh that's cool because they have 21s, twenty ones twenty. But it had the all-terrain tires, and that's—I think it was like 40 miles or 60 miles of range. And they say on the site, they're like, "Hey, you put these tires on, you're really gonna mess up your range." No. And yeah. then when I did when I did my range run, it ended up being the one day it's rained in <laughs> in Northern California, and there was these crazy winds. So on the way out, it was fine, but on the way back, it was just insane headwind. Like suddenly it got super windy, and I was like, "Oh <laughs> man!" <laughs> hey, so, yeah, that's,
2: it's so it goes.
0: Yeah, so it 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 wasn't really much of a level playing field. So I didn't actually like put out a number of what it was, um, just because it was so bad. Because you know, yeah. They, and, not... you know, if you if you if I did all that, and you know, if I took a jeep out and it had regular road tires, and then I swapped it over to all terrains, and then I drove in the rain, and I did it, yeah, because rain creates surface tension. It creates you know, it, it's it's yeah, all that like destroys your 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 efficiency of your car regardless of what the powertrain is. So yeah.
2: Um, while, while we're talking about Rivian, one other thing um, that came up since last time we talked uh, was that Rivian announced that they were uh, discontinuing availability of both the camp kitchen and the, um, the power tonneau cover on the R1T um, because of uh, the, the tonneau cover uh, was because of some reliability issues. A lot of people were complaining because it's actually a surprisingly complex mechanism that they have for that power tonneau uh, and all in the show notes, I'll include a link to uh, the uh, Monroe live video showing the teardown. They did of that and explaining how the thing works, but basically you've got a bunch of slots that slats that inter interlock with each other. And as the tonneau opens up, they drop into a cavity uh, on top of each other. So it doesn't like roll up or anything or fold up the slot, the slats just drop down into a cavity and stack up and then come you know, and as you open it back up, you know there's springs underneath that push them, push the slats back up. It's a bizarre mechanism, but um, because of the, the way they've got it set up, sometimes one of the slats can get skewed sideways, oh, and then the whole so thing it's jams askew, up.
0: Oh, and it's like eh, eh, eh,
2: eh. yeah, and it goes oh. nowhere. That that happened like went back uh, when we still had our uh, VW Jetta Sport Wagon with the uh, the cover uh, for the sunroof. Yeah. For the panoramic sunroof, um, but um, I'll, I'll include this video so you can see that. And then for the camp kitchen, apparently they're doing some redesign of it to improve it. So
0: it's no five thousand it dollars. You can just buy a kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my whole can, thing was like you're losing half of the the gear tunnel. And yeah, you can buy like a like you can just buy a small like Coleman camp kitchen that'll take up less yeah. space. Well, <laughs> uh,
2: or I mean, you, the camp kitchen had two inductive burners in there you can buy an inductive hot plate off of Amazon for 60 bucks. Cause that's what we did before we bought our new stove an inductive stove. We wanted to see what cooking with an inductive stove was going to be look like. So uh-huh. I went on Amazon and I got an inductive hot plate for 60 bucks just to try it out, you know, see how fast it boiled water, see, see if our pots actually work with it. Um, and then, you know, we liked that and then I ordered a, a full blown stove. Um, and so you can, you can, buy, a you know, two of these for, you know, a little over a hundred bucks uh, and, you know, have a wash tub to, you know, wash your dishes and stuff, dishes. you know, so you don't, you don't actually need the full camp kitchen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it was really cool. I've seen it. Yeah. It's, it's super cool looking and it's, it's, but I'm just like, oh, the cheap person in me is like, ah, you're losing space and there's, you can, Yeah. And you can also put, like, you don't have to be standing by your truck in order to cook. You can put it over on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, hold on, we all, the table's here, but the camp kitchen's over here, so we got to do everything over here, and then move it to the table, as opposed to, like, we're all working at the table, and you move everything around, so. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool idea, but I, yeah.
2: Kind of like the tank turns, you know, cool idea, maybe not so actually useful.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: All right. Um. I uh, in between a couple of trips uh, was driving the uh, Polestar 2 again um, for a second time in a couple of months, uh, but this time it was the 2023 model with the performance package, uh, which means that uh, you know since this is a Polestar, like, when on a lot of Volvo models you can get a trim level that's called Polestar Engineered, that has Olins dampers on there, a little more performance, uh, big. Uh, Brembo brakes 6 piston Brembo brakes on the front um, and you know nice bright yellow seat belts that you know that look really cool and that tells you you know you're special um, <laughs> but you know you can't really do a Polestar engineered Polestar I think of so the
0: Volvo Volvo engineered Polestar
2: <laughs> yeah so they just they just call it the performance package but it's effectively the same type of thing that would be Polestar engineered on any Volvo model um, and so the uh, performance package uh, bumps up the power output of the dual-motor Polestar 2 from 408 horsepower, 487 foot-pounds of torque to 476 horsepower and 502 pounds-feet of torque. Um, there's not actually any hardware change associated with that, uh, but um, you know it's all, it's all software. So um, owners of existing dual-motor Polestar 2s will actually be able to buy uh, a software update that gets you at least the that performance upgrade it won't include the um the Olin's dampers or the bigger brakes or any of that uh, and they haven't announced pricing yet for that um but the um uh the performance pack uh is priced at fifty five hundred dollars um and uh they also uh it It also gets uh, an improvement in range along with everything else, so bumps up the EPA range number to two hundred sixty miles, uh, which is nice nice little bump on there. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, oh, it also includes a heat pump uh, as part of the uh, uh, as part of the plus pack actually um, not not the performance pack but the plus pack. Um, so um, it does feel marginally quicker. Uh, I mean, it's not a huge improvement in performance. I think it drops from zero to 60 from about four and a half to uh, just over four seconds. Um, but it's still, you know, it's nice and quick. Um, rides, um, at least in the default settings for the Ohlins dampers, is slightly stiffer than the standard one. Um, and the, the Ohlins dampers are adjustable, but they're not uh, like adaptive dampers that self-adjust as you're driving down the road. Uh, you have to go in. You can go in and manually twist and uh, adjust the dampers and change the damping rates a little bit. So if you want it a little bit softer or a little bit stiffer, if you live somewhere where the roads are nice and smooth, you can make it a little stiffer, get a little little better handling. Although you know the the Polestar Two, you know even in its default mode, has pretty good handling. You know it's get pretty good body control, nice and nice and stable, um, and it's a, it's a lot of fun to drive. Um, really, the only thing. Um, that I found slightly disappointing, uh, and I haven't gotten a, a response from Polestar on this. Is um, <clears throat> you know the the Polestar uses has an Android automotive based infotainment system, um, uh, as do the the latest Volvos, uh, and uh, the uh, so in the App Store in the uh, Google Play Store in there. Uh, I went I was I was setting it up when it arrived. I uh, we went. Looking for PocketCasts, which is my podcast playing app of choice, um, which I use on on my other devices, and it's nice because I can sync up. You know, if I'm listening on my phone, I get in the car, you know, it automatically syncs everything up. So it's playing. You know, it's got the same playlists. It's got the same. Uh, you know, it syncs up wherever the position was on the last thing I was listening to, and brings that up by default. Um, the PocketCasts app seems to be missing from the App Store now. It was there. The last oh, time no. I had a Polestar too, a couple a couple months ago, um, it wasn't there uh, in in the current one. Um, I actually have uh, a Volvo XC60 uh, in the driveway right now as well um, that has the uh, the Android Automotive system. It does have Pocket Cast still on it. it shows it in the in the Play Store. So um, not sure what's going on. I did a little googling around, and some other Polestar owners were complaining that recently the Pocket Cast app disappeared. So maybe maybe it's a glitch uh, somewhere, uh, you know, with an update. Um, who knows? Because uh, in order to be to show up in the Play Store in vehicles, um, uh, app developers do have to ha- you know, have uh, there's there's only certain types of apps that are allowed. Um, and I think they, you know, they probably have to have certain settings. So it's maybe the most recent update um, they forgot to you know, flip the switch on some setting when they were Check building the app. They're like, yeah, and, yeah, send it off. and so it didn't show doesn't show up in the apps in the Play Store. We'll, we'll see if that changes going forward. Uh, but just something to, to be aware of. Um,
0: but other is, than is, that. Is Brony Radio still available in the uh, Google? <laughs>
2: um,
0: I was, that was, it was. I, I have Radio, not looked okay. recently. Um, I just I'm pretty sure it it's if... not,
2: not in the Play Store in, in vehicles,
0: in Android Automotive. It was. It was in the was place. That's what, yeah, that's, what, that's oh. the only reason I know what it is. Oh, okay. I, um, I, I, you know what? I, I feel stupid that I didn't download it and try it out. I, but I, did, I was like, ah, do I really want this on my history? <laughs> <laughs> do I want this downloading itself onto all my Android devices? So go out there. You guys see. And then listen and see what, what Brony Radio is all about. I guess it's just uh, My Little Pony songs. I,
2: I will go and check after we're done recording.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um <laughs> interesting. Okay. Sorry
0: I Sorry to throw you this, off, but I really that's an important journalism. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, absolutely. It's you know, pe- people need to know if the Brony Radio is going to be available in the car. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, hey, whatever, you know, to each their own. Um, so the uh the base price for the 2023 Polestar 2 dual motor uh is $51,900. Um the one I was driving had the midnight paint, uh, which added twelve fifty. Uh, the pilot pack and, uh, and the plus pack and the performance pack at uh, fifty five hundred dollars, um, and um, destination charge. Uh, you want to take a guess? Uh, Thirteen
0: hundred.
2: Very close. Fourteen.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Um, and uh, grand total came to sixty seven thousand six hundred and fifty bucks. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for a compactish, um, sedan-ish, you know, with a, with a lift gate, um, you know, but, but slightly taller, you know, crossover-ish ride height, um, uh, EV, um, you know, the, the Polestar 2 is, you know, still a great choice. I still really like it. Aside from the, the high belt line, which I'm not yeah, crazy
0: about. Yeah. And but, you're, not, you're not a fan of the high belt line. Yeah. It works fine for me. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. I really, yeah, those Polestar's are really nice, even with
2: Yeah, I'm the... I'm I'm really looking forward to checking out the Polestar Three, uh which is coming next year. Uh yeah. They, they recently revealed revealed it and uh um you know that that's gonna be an interesting one. And then next week as we're recording this, uh November ninth, Volvo's gonna take the wraps off the E X ninety, which is also sharing oh, its yeah. platform with the Polestar three.
0: Yeah, that'll be and, Yeah, uh... no, it's Volvo Volvo Polestar. They're really they're going all in. Good for them. It's yep. funny because if you go to Volvo's uh, headquarters in Gothenburg, Sweden, there's just a box. It's the Polestar box. It's a cube or a box or a square. It says Polestar. <laughs> it's a, and it's a square inside the the thing for like their little HQ headquarters. I don't know. It's just
2: inside it's the building or next to the
0: building. Oh, no, no, not Next to the building. There's just like Bobby. another building that's like a square. Like, it looks like it looks like someone just stuck a box. So they took they took, it they out took the and, box that whoop,
2: the Volvos used to be shipped in. And yep,
0: and then they just put a Polestar. The, yeah, it's a big square. It looks like a giant. It's like a Rubik's cube. They should put little different colors around each side so it looks like a Rubik's cube, It's like a perfect square. Um, I don't know. It just it just sort of it sort of sticks out a little bit, and it's kind
1: of cool. But yeah. All right. Um, At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place.
2: Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Continuing on, um, earlier this week, I was in uh, Palm Springs, uh, more specifically Rancho Mirage, uh, for a couple of days. Um, driving some new bmws Um, they had the um, uh, the global media launch for the new all-new 2023 7 series uh, as well as the refreshed x7 and then they had test fest where they had a whole bunch of other stuff available to drive um, including the new x1 and the the ix and the i4 and um, and for those that uh, ride two-wheelers they had a bunch of bikes as well um so got to spend um Monday all day driving uh two different 7 series um the 760i and the i7. Uh the i7 is the battery electric version. Um for the US market um BMW is going to be offering three powertrain options for the new 7 series. Um the base 740i will be a 3 liter twin turbo inline 6. Um, the 760i will have uh, a twin-turbo 4.4-liter V8, uh, and then the uh, dual-motor all-electric uh, i7 uh, is the top model. Um, the two gas engines, the um, the six-cylinder and the V8, are both mild hybrids, uh, and it's a new mild hybrid system. Uh, previously, BMW's 48-volt mild hybrids used a belted starter generator system um, that – could do some brake energy recovery um, and uh, a little bit of providing a little bit of torque boost to the engine. Um, Now they've switched to a configuration where the electric motor is packaged in the transmission between the engine and the torque converter. Uh, And then there's a small lithium-ion battery in the back. Um, And, you know, that basically that gives you um, more advanced auto stop start capability where it can stay shut off for several minutes, uh, you know, when you're sitting idle um, and uh, provide some additional torque boost. It'll give up to 200 newton meters uh, of torque boost uh, and about, uh, I think, nine kilowatts, uh, so about uh, 13, 14 horsepower uh, to whatever the engine's doing. Um, and, uh, and then they uh, they didn't have the six-cylinder there to drive. They only had the 760s Aww. and the i7. Ooh. Um, Sorry. <laughs> but both of them, both the 760 and the i7, um, have 563 horsepower. They obviously, produce that 563 horsepower in very different ways. One does it using a significant amount of uh, petroleum. Uh, the other does it um, from a plug. Um, and... Um, uh, Cheta, the and I, he's the former longtime editor-in-chief of Car and Driver, were driving together on Monday. And uh, one of the things we, we noticed uh, with this thing, well, first off, the, the design. What do you think of the design of the, the new 7? Uh,
0: you, you know, I think I said this before, like BMW is just like, you know what we're going to do or we're going to do. And if you don't like it too bad, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I you know, it's 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 you know, you still have the huge grill. And I talk to people, like car people and just regular people, and they're like, The grill and I'm like, I know. I know. I don't make BMWs, but yeah. I I understand what you're doing and they're like, Man, that that grill But I think I think what's gonna happen with the ice with the seven series, the same thing that happened with the four and the I four, is that you just sort of get used to it.
2: You you learn to walk up from behind.
0: Yeah, you learn to love it. Like the <laughs> i like now or, at this point in the i four I'm like, it. yeah. At the i four I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's where that's where I'm at with the i four now and the four series. Uh, I think it's 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 just going to be the same thing with the seven series where you're like you like you like it's so it doesn't twenty percent smaller ten percent even ten percent because now it feels like it's sort of encroaching onto the hood. because, like the way it's sort of like creeping over at mm-hmm. an angle at the top. It's like well, they're, 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 hey, for what it, you know what they they set the design language like four years ago, and they're not they're not backing down. They're yeah. like, no. In fact, we're going to make it bigger.
2: <laughs> well, for, for, for what it's worth, um, you know, on the, the new seven versus the, the last seven because they did a refresh, mid cycle refresh on the last seven about two three years ago when they went to a larger grill, and looking at them side by side, the new one the grill is actually the sa- almost exactly the same size. But it actually looks slightly smaller on the new one, because the rest of the face is grown. Yeah, because the car is two inches wider, it's taller. Yeah. You know, so proportionally it looks a little bit smaller.
0: Smaller. Um, proportionally so, it's smaller, but it's still it's it's yeah. the creep. It's the creep over the top. Yeah. Like you can see that 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 line that goes from the top of the winch, the, not the windshield, the top of the lights. Yeah. And so it, and it comes all the way across. So they have this one continuous line that sort of goes across. And at that point, there's like a little, there's a, uh, there's a kink or or, or a little angle in the grill chamfer, yeah. And it looks, and at that point, it looks like it's creeping onto the hood, and then eventually, at some point while you're driving, it'll just get you while you're. (laughs) It'll work its way all the way up to the hood, and then reach into the car and get (laughs) you. Yeah. Um. The
2: the other big change, you know, on this new one is the the front lighting. You know, they've gone from the traditional pair you know horizontal pairs of lights on either side you know so four four lights to this split lighting configuration where they've got the daytime running lights led daytime running lights in a slim horizontal strip up above and then the headlights in another strip down below uh, so you've got these two parallel lighting elements um, and uh, this is going to be a signature look for all the the high-end luxury bmws so they've they put this on the new 7 it's on the new X7 the refreshed X7 and also the XM they're the only ones that are going to get this look all the other BMWs are going to stick with something closer to to what they've had recently um you know this thing looks imposing but compared to when i saw it back in april in new york you know in this event space where they had the the reveal out in the daylight it actually looks a lot better um i thought yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it it looks better balanced, looks better proportioned. Um, you, know, it, you know, it's five inches longer than before, a couple inches wider, a couple inches taller, um, and you know it it actually doesn't look bad, especially from the profile and the rear three quarters. Um, you know, and I can I can learn to tolerate the grill. If you can, uh, if
0: you can get black on black on black, it looks like you're from the. I future think you actually can. Yeah. And if you're from the future and you're here to solve crimes, that's what it looks like. Yeah. I'm from the future. I'm here to solve some future crimes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think you actually can get that combination because you can get a combination of the black grill, like without the chrome surrounds, um, and other black trim. And then I think I'm pretty sure you can get that on a black body. The other thing that's cool is they do offer a bunch of two-tone combinations now where you've got, uh, where it's split horizontally like at the belt line. Um, and you know they had one. They had a couple examples of one there that was the lower half was red, this dark, uh, sort of burgundy red, and uh-huh. then black on top, which was I think look, it was a really cool color combination. I really liked that one. Oh, okay. um, uh, and then you know as you approach the car, <laughs> you realize you know one of the options they have on here is automatic doors, so you can press the you know you can either reach in into the, the cavity there and, you know, pull the, the door handle the way you normally would, you know, pull it open manually, or you can just press the, the button there and the door will motor itself out. And you can also activate that from the app or from the key fob. Um, and one of the things they've done is to, in order to avoid parking lot dings or, you know, hitting somebody who's walking by the car, um, they've put ultrasonic sensors like the ones they have, those little round button sensors that they have in the bumpers for your parking assist. They put one of those in each of the door handles to detect if there's, if there's some obstruction there. And so the door will start opening up and it detects something and it'll stop. So it won't ding the, the car parked next to you. Um, unfortunately, it can't stop the car parked next to you from dinging your doors. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and you know, this is one of those things that, yeah, it's kind of a cool feature, but it's not, really
0: necessary
2: yeah it's
0: i mean they, you know the, the very high you know the bentleys yeah and Rolls royces uh, they have this type of thing it, it's it's like it, you know at some point you're like well what are we going to add to this to, to make it even more luxurious what how are we going to justify people paying a lot of money or the you know not even justify it's just that people want something extra from their car yeah, and they're like, well, look at this. Look, at... it's a lot of the, the sort of like, hey, you have a friend come over. Hey, look at this. I don't know how how helpful it'll be, and I think a lot of people are going to be pushing that button, <laughs> that ultrasonic yeah. sensor, thinking it's a button to open the. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I just pushed this button. They're like, now you're you're sort of blocking a sensor, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's it. Yeah, there's, there's there's
2: there's a lot extra about this car.
0: Yeah, you gotta um... cause you especially when you're like, okay, what are we gonna do up against like you know what Mercedes is showing off with their. The S and the
2: yeah, yeah, so yeah, they don't. BMW hasn't done the hyperscreen approach of, of Mercedes, but they do have a very large curved display with a 12 inch cluster display right in front of you, 15 inch um, touchscreen display in the middle for the infotainment. Um, and you know, one of the things in the, the latest version of the iDrive software. On the the left hand bar uh, on the touchscreen, one of the things is four little boxes. You know that's the that's the app drawer, Um, and you tap on that and you see all the functions that are all the different things that are in this thing. It's like it's really quite overwhelming. There's a lot there. This this thing, stuff. here's Here's all the stuff. This thing has some serious creeping featureitis, but um, fortunately. You know, instead of searching through all the scrolling up and down, trying to find what you're looking for while you're driving, um, you can actually do pretty much everything in there using voice controls. Um, and it works pretty well. Like, you know, you can get in and say, hey, BMW, crack the windows open and it'll drop the windows down an inch or two you know, or, you know, open the driver's side window. Yeah, so you don't have to go looking for where's the the button for that.
0: Or you do? What I do and accidentally roll down the rear driver's the passenger side window when I'm looking, trying to uh, just a regular passenger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking over. I'm like, what's going on? And I'll say,
2: yeah. So you can you can do things like there's, and the one the ones we drove, they all came equipped with the optional 31 inch theater screen in the back. Oh, um, so you they, can't,
0: <laughs> the rear view mirror
2: blocker. Exactly. Yes. So it's a it's a like a thirty I think a thirty one by nine aspect ratio. So it's really like ultra wide screen. Panavision which is or thirty two <laughs> by nine. That's it's thirty two by nine. Yeah. So yeah, I mean you can watch Panavision stuff, you know, without any letterboxing. We're all but watching the t- pretty Lawrence much everything of else is gonna be letterboxed or you can also set it to you know, fill the width and then it'll crop the top and bottom. Which don't do that. Uh, no, nah, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Unfortunately, what you can't do is like what Honda had a few years back in the Odyssey. They had a widescreen rear seat infotainment system uh, that popped down from the roof, and you could actually have two, do a split screen, and have you know the the rear seat passengers or second row passengers could be watching two different things on halves of the screen. You can't do that, unfortunately. Oh, that's a bummer. But um, one one of uh, one of my friends that was at the event was talking to somebody from BMW and found out because right now. Um, they don't offer a digital camera mirror system in there because when you put that um, the uh, the screen down, um, you can't see anything from the rearview mirror inside the car. Yeah. It's, like it's driving completely a,
0: blocked. Like driving a cargo van at this point.
2: Yeah, uh, but they they will sometime next year they will start offering a digital camera mirror system uh, bundled with the uh, the theater screen. Um, and then when you when you and it when you put down the theater screen. Blinds come up in the, the rear rear door windows and in the back window, um, and the one in the back window is actually opaque. The ones in the side oh. windows are the, the 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 perforated ones that you yeah. can see through. Um, and you can uh, you you can again put all that stuff up and down with voice. You can say, "Hey BMW, open the sun blinds um, or close the sun blinds." But you know it's not a fully natural language voice record system. So um, you have to say some things in a specific way. So it doesn't understand sun shades, but sun blinds, it's good with.
0: Oh, oh that's a, yeah. they got to do some more. They got to do some more uh, yeah. uh, regionalization on that. Yeah, they got a little
2: more work to do there. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know once you figure out that you can do most of the stuff with voice, it's not as daunting to yeah. try to find stuff. Um, you know, this is a big car. Um, you know, driving it. You know, it feels relatively imposing, but fortunately, it does have four-wheel steering, uh, which helps with maneuverability. Um,
0: what's the what's the, the rear turn degrees?
2: Uh, three and a half degrees. Three and a half. I right. uh, I think the Mercedes is what ten degrees.
0: Ten degrees standard in the yeah. United States. It's standard ten degrees because it was four and a half, and then four and a half, and then you could upgrade to ten. But then they're like at the last one, they're like you know what? You just all get ten degrees. So I think it was okay. just easier like to build it.
2: Yeah, so th- this one's three and a half, you know, which is not as much, but it's still it it helps. You know, when you got a hundred and twenty six inch wheelbase, every little <laughs> bit helps. Yeah,
0: well, you got to make sure those people in the back seat are comfy. You need know, oh, yeah, that big wheelbase for that for the comfy people watching Absolutely. watching all the movies while you're driving them around. You're gonna be picking up and driving your friends, and they're gonna want to watch like the Matrix, and you're just sitting in the front like an idiot. You're like, it's what's Neo doing now? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this this one um, is. Uh,
2: uh, there's only one wheelbase length. You know, they said that BMW told us that something like over 90% of customers bought the extended wheelbase on the old one. And so they said, forget it. We'll just do one. Just do the extended wheelbase. as the only version now. Yeah. There's Um, no point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, um, like I said, we got to drive both the 760 and the, the I seven. And, for the most part, the performance is actually pretty similar. Uh, you know, they have, uh, they have the same horse, same peak horsepower, 536. Um, the I seven's got a little more peak torque. Um, the, but, um, the seven sixty is about 600 pounds lighter. Um, oh, it's, fi- yeah. it's about 5,300 pounds versus 59 for the I seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, What you know in most driving conditions, you really won't notice much of a difference in performance, they both accelerate pretty similarly once you get up to higher speeds. Um, and you know, this is a purely hypothetical. I mean, we would never do anything like you know, test you know, speeds of 80 plus miles an hour to triple digit speeds on public roads, but um, apparently, um, uh, it's been said that you know, at you know, above about 85 miles an hour. The performance of the i7 starts to fall off a little bit compared to the 760. The 760 really starts to pull. Um, and um, Chubba and I would never evaluate anything like that. Um, but not outside
0: of Germany. If you're on the Autobahn, yes, Yes. if you're on the Autobahn, you're more, yeah, 85 miles an hour is nothing,
2: yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, but you know, for the most part, the way most people are going to use a car like this, you know, it's great. Um, what else? Uh, um, the, the ride quality. I mean, these uh, all the new 7s have standard four-wheel air spring suspension with auto leveling. Um, and, you know, especially in the i7, you know, it's really quiet uh, and very, very smooth. You know, it's like pretty much anything you do, you know, driving down the highway, going, up, you know, up a twisty mountain road, um, you know, in near Palm Springs, um, you know, a- anywhere you're driving it, you know. It's. It feels like it's gliding along. It doesn't feel like it's floating, you know. So it's not like an old style American
0: <laughs> Cadillac. You
2: know, Cadillac or something. A that's, bump and you're know, still like a land yacht. five miles. Yeah, no, I mean it's really well controlled. So it feels like you're gliding oh. over the road, and it just goes where you point it, um, which was really impressive for something that weighs three tons. Um, and uh, you know, it's surprisingly fun to drive, um, given its size. It doesn't have a whole lot of. Steering feedback, you know, switching it to sport mode basically just makes the steering heavier, but doesn't really give you any real <laughs> so feedback. Just add a little bit going. more
0: torque to the steering. Yeah, uh,
2: I mean, it's the seven series. It, I mean, it exactly.
0: Should be, you're not. You should be. You're not bombing backroads with the seven yeah. series. You're you're cruising. You know, you're cruising backroads with your friends and make trying to make them sick while they're watching, you know, Lawrence of Arabia or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anavision. <Yes>. <laughs> Um. The uh, oh, I forgot to
2: mention the, the theater screen system does come with uh, Amazon Fire TV built in, and you've got a five G modem uh, in the car. Oh, cool. um, So you can stream all you know whatever you you know pretty much you can get all of the different streaming services as channels through Amazon. So if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can you can use that, and and uh, and who isn't an Amazon Prime subscriber these days? Uh, you can watch everything in the in the back seat there. Um, the, uh, one of the neat little design details is, you know, a lot of cars have ambient lighting. Um, BMW has got these, um, light strips that run along the dash and into the door panels that look like they're faceted, you know, uh, like a, like a jewel. Uh, and then you've got the led light strips behind there. Can, and you can pick different themes from the, the touchscreen system or, or select them uh, by voice, get different colors. And it actually looks really cool, especially at night. Um, it's a, it's a neat effect. Um, and, uh, just, you know, it's, it's what you would expect of, you know, a hundred thousand dollar plus luxury car. Um, like I said, once you get past, you know, all of the features and you figure out how to do it with voice, um, you know, for the the rest of it works really well. Um, the, um, uh, the EPA range numbers for the i7 uh, just came out um, starting you know the base mo- the base version has 19 inch wheels that's got the longest range 318 miles um, 89 mpge which you know for a three-ton luxury car is not bad Yeah. You know? <laughs> didn't miles per gallon equivalent yeah yeah uh, so 318 miles range and you know as we've seen from other bmw evs um you know they're they're pretty good you know their, their numbers tend to be fairly conservative and you know they generally will match or exceed their their label numbers so you shouldn't yeah. have much problem uh if you go for the uh the 20 inch wheels um you get 296 miles of range um and oddly uh the 21 inch wheels um and i'm guessing this probably has something to do with the tires that are on there uh you get 308 miles of range i would have Typically, the biggest wheels would give you the lowest range, but three hundred eight miles. So, anywhere. What
0: did, what did the twenty-one inch look like? Do they have, Are they are they specifically designed to to sort of uh let's this, see. To, to reduce that tur- that wheel turbulence? Um, they
2: they all are they the all yeah they, they all are designed to minimize the uh, the turbulence. Um, so, um, they, they're trying to minimize the drag. You know, and the whole body shape is also designed to yeah. minimize drag. Uh, but yeah, even the 21s um, are designed for, for low drag, uh, so that I think that I helps. maybe they
0: just did a little extra something something on the 21s to sort of help, and then they're like, oh hey, it actually worked out. Whoops, don't get the 20s, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and then the uh, the seven, the uh, the, the regular the 760s, uh, let's see, the 740 um, is going to be rated at 27 miles per gallon combined. Um, which is not bad you know not I mean, too I, bad that thing's got that, you know about 400 be, horsepower
0: the inline six man that's a such a great engine. yeah
2: it, it it is the pretty much the ideal form factor for an internal combustion engine a yeah. piston engine uh and then the 760 is rated at 21 miles per gallon combined which again for, for you know, 50 for a 5300 pound car with 560 horsepower that's not too shabby
0: yeah and that's yeah. a lot. And have a little drag coefficient 'cause they have to make an, they're making the I seven as
2: well. Yeah. And then the um uh the I seven uh has a starting MSRP of one hundred and nineteen thousand three hundred dollars. Um zero to sixty in four and a half seconds. Uh the the uh the seven forty um is uh let's see. Uh, starts at ninety three thousand three hundred dollars um, so uh, oh, it's, and it 's three hundred and seventy five horsepower so um, you know it's you know it 's certainly competitive price wise um, size wise uh, range uh, you know is not not as good as what you 're going to get from the high you know from the maximum range versions of a a Tesla Model S uh, but this is a much more luxurious car than what oh, you 're going to yeah. get from Tesla. Um, and I can't remember what's, what's the range on an EQS?
0: Oh, geez. Um, yeah, yeah, I have an EQE in my driveway and someone asked me the range. I'm like, I can't remember.
2: (laughs) Well, the, yeah, the Lucid Air, you know, is, you know, four to 500 miles of range. Um, but you know, those right now for now, at least are still starting, you know, in the $154,000 range and up.
0: Yeah, three fifty uh, for the EQS.
2: Yeah, so not not quite as much as an EQS, uh, but uh, you know, still still you know enough for what most you know for o- what almost anybody's going to need. You know, and chances and these these charge pretty fast. Uh, you can um, add eighty miles of range in ten minutes uh, on at uh, one hundred and ninety kilowatts. Um, so it's you know it, it'll it'll put the miles back on fairly quickly and. You know, after 300 miles, you're going to want a bio break anyway. Um, you know, and they you've got uh, massaging seats with all kinds of patterns and things like that. So lots of stuff in here.
0: You all the. Yeah, it's it's you're sort of. Yeah.
2: All right. Um, next up, uh, tell us about Honda and solid state batteries.
0: Oh, so I went to Japan, and I spoke with the the new, well, relatively new uh, CEO of Honda and the head of their electri- their global electrification. Uh, uh, these are two different people. Their global <laughs> electrification. The CEO is uh, Toshihiro Mibe, and the um, the head of the global level electrification is Shinji. Uh, Aoyama and i spoke to both of them and then i went and saw them you know in their they have like a little they have a lab at their head you have and d center and they showed us how they were making or at least they're starting to make uh their solid state batteries and the issue with solid state batteries is that because of the uh the way they work and without getting super crazy technical is that the way they work is that they what happens is is that you end up with these little spikes inside the batteries these little pieces that stick out they're called dendrites and they create uh short circuits inside the batteries it's not and it's it's because it's and what that does is it lowers the lifespan of the battery so instead of you know like a regular car you get thousands of charge and discharge cycles with these you get a couple you know hundreds instead which is not something you want in a car because you're like well i had the car for a year and now the battery's totally shot (laughs) so in order to to uh reduce those dendrites what they've done is they've stuck in in the the lithium ion um uh god dang it the thing in the middle <laughs> the, the
2: um separator or <laughs> yeah, the electrolyte
0: so, the electrolyte so it's the electrolyte that creates these dendrites cuz you're going back and forth between the anode and the diode and, and what happens is that create that's where you get the dendrites so what is doing is they're putting a polymer fabric uh essentially a coating on each side of that and to, to reduce the, 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 uh, the dendrites, the little spikes. And, order, and in order to make sure that it's, that it's uniform and it's high pressure and smashed together is they're using rolling. Instead of using a press, they're rolling these out. And it's it, in theory, it sounds like a good idea. It sounds like it might work because you're essentially putting like a little net that says, hey, you can't do this anymore. There's nowhere for you to go. Keep doing your job. We're going to keep you trapped in this little area. So they, you know, they have this system that they're 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 working on right now. And in 2024, they're going to have a pilot manufacturing line. So in 2024, they'll have a a line in um, in Japan where they'll actually be building solid state batteries. And they believe that they'll have a solid state battery powered vehicle by the end of this decade, like 28. 2028 2029 is what they're what they were saying so you know from let's say a little over a year ago where you're just like what is honda doing with evs because they had the honda e which never came to the united states for various reasons um and then the clarity which they had just killed because they brought the clarity over which had like essentially the same range as the honda e near not nearly as an as as a uh, compelling of a, of a vehicle and no one was buying it, the EV version, so they just killed it. So they only had one EV in the United States, and they like they're like, no, no one's buying it. We're we're getting rid of it. So you're just like, well, what is Honda doing? And then we have you know, uh, Mibe, He came on board, and he's like, okay, we gotta we gotta do we gotta get get it together. And I think you know this new leadership over at Honda really understands that the future is electric. Uh, you can't sit there and complain about it like another Japanese automaker. Um, you know. Complaining and saying, "Oh, regulation—you can't be Toyota." Is essentially what's going on. And I mean, Toyota's coming around, um, but you know, they—they—they, they, they, when you have it from the top down, saying, "We need to electrify, and we need to move quick, and we need to figure out how to do this, and we need to do it right." And so it's—it's a, it's, uh, yeah, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's interesting because you know, at the same time, they're also working with GM. They're using the Ultium pat, uh, platform for the Prologue, and then they have this. Whole other division or other company, uh, Sony Honda Mobility, which they, you know, they, they they're working with uh, Sony because they were looking for a partner who wasn't in um, the automotive space to come up with some new ideas to sort of like shake things up. And so Sony ended up being that company and Sony had a few years earlier shown off a car at CES, like their surprise EV at CES. With, they couldn't tell you if they're making it or not for like two years. And I, 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 Sony Honda Mobility. Yeah. So, you know, they were looking for a third, another company that wasn't in the automotive space to, the, to, to work with, to create something that was, I guess they were saying thinking out of the box and, you know, Sony had shown off that car, which no one had expected. And, you know, I, I had talked to Sony and then they showed it off again and I talked to Sony one week and I'm like, are you guys building this? And they're like, nah, probably not. And then the next week they talked to Motor Trend and they're like, yeah, we're totally going to build it. <laughs> Or is the other well, way? I don't. I don't even remember. Maybe they mean,
2: told back, me. Back in 2020 at CES, when they first when they showed off the first one, the sedan, I think. Yeah, you know, the indications that were given at that time was, yeah, you know, you know we we built this to showcase all of the different kinds of components and sensors and electronics that we can do. Um, you know, and they weren't. They, you know, they didn't really give any indication that they were actually going to build a vehicle.
0: Yeah, but then they showed it again and they kept showing oh, yeah. It's testing, it's doing this. And I don't remember right. they if did, they told they did me a they... second
2: concept this year, a crossover. Yeah.
0: yeah. so they 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 I don't remember how, what the I don't know if they told me they were going to build it or they weren't going to build it, but they told MotorTrend the exact opposite like a week and a half later. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm that car and driver, I'm talking to somebody. I'm getting like dispatches from Japan. I'm like, "Okay, I got this article. I write it up, put it out." And then like a week and a half later, MotorTrend has an article and it's the same thing, except completely opposite answers. I'm like, what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> well, anyway, so now Sony is working with Honda, and um, so they have that. So they have a bunch of, the, and you know, we asked them, you have all these different things going on. <clears throat> Why? Like, and then, and essentially, their answer was, it's still really early days for for electrification, and. Essentially, they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket is what it comes down to. They want to have multiple paths to electrification to say, you know, if this one doesn't work, we have these other two things that are going on, uh-huh. which is, you know, sort of, you know, it's smart. It's like if you're looking for a job, you don't just apply for one job and just hope for the best. <laughs> you apply to a lot of jobs. You throw your net. You have to throw a wide net out there. So that's what Honda is essentially throwing a wide net uh, into electrification. And I think at this point, I think, you know, that's a smart, that's a smart decision because, you know, Salt State doesn't work out, which for, you know, almost two decades, it hasn't worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it's always five years away. Um, it'll it's be like nice fuel to-
2: cells and
0: you yeah. know, all kinds of other stuff. So, yeah. So it, it's, it's it was a, it, it, it was a good, it was a good chat. It was a good tour. They let us go into the room. We had to wear all the stuff. You know, we had to wear bunny suits and and gloves and special shoes and all that stuff to in order to to watch them build it you know it's it's always fun you know people talk about what they're doing but to actually see it and know that they're actually working on it and know that they have a plan for a a pilot site for manufacturing that's and that's the big thing is like like we're 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 working on this i'm like okay well what's what's well can we see it Eh, you know we're working on it and then for them like here, we're going to show it to you, and we're already planning to, to tool a site just to build these, uh, these batteries. So, it, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a level of commitment that you kind of want to see from an automaker who um, is, is trying to crack the uh, solid state code. And, they, and you know, they, <laughs> when we asked them about, like, well, what are you, are you going to share it with GM? And, and essentially the answer was, we're happy to sell this to anyone. Like if they crack the code, be, they'll license it to whoever yes, wants they will, it. Yes, they will sell it to anyone who will buy it. And, and I think anyone who gets that solid state thing figured out is going to be, they're going to make a, that's, that's a, that's going to be a big deal. If you get it figured out and, and you can prove that it'll last, you know, the same amount of charge cycles as a regular lithium ion battery, you're going to, that company's going to make a lot of money sell it, licensing that out to other uh, automakers.
2: Yeah, Um, Do they plan to manufacture these themselves at some point, or are they going to partner with, like, you know, they recently announced a joint venture with LG to build uh, a cell plant in Ohio near where a bunch of their uh, assembly plants are. Um, You know, are they planning to go down a similar path and, you know, partner with a cell manufacturer to do that, or are they just going to go all in in in-house and do that?
0: They're doing everything in house right now. All the all the research, all the development, everything they're doing on their own right now. But in the in the future, though, you know, they'll be able, I, I, I you know, it's like an iPhone. You know, Apple does everything in house, and then when it comes to actually building it, they'll probably, you know, they have a partner that'll do. It. I think that's. I think Honda's gonna, you know, partner with with LG Chem or somebody in order to actually to do the you know, the the, the huge manufacturing, um, so they don't have to. But, uh, but right now, everything they're doing. Yeah, because I was like, well, are you working with partners right now? They're like, no, this is all us. Yeah. Is, they, they want all the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. And, you know, yeah. And, I mean, if you're going to be late, you know, if you've got something
2: that, that might be, you know, a breakthrough, you know, you probably want to leverage the most you can out of it.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. So it's, it, it was, uh, you know, because, you know, we, we the Honda, you didn't come here and that could have, again, could have been a halo vehicle for them here. Um, and the Clarity just didn't, it just didn't stick. And, and then you just got nothing for forever. You're just like, well, what is Honda doing? And, uh, I mean,
2: you know, to be fair, the Clarity EV was not very good. I mean, it only had like 84 miles. Yeah. It didn't have a,
0: the, the idea with the Clarity was that the interior was really nice. It was almost Mm -hmm. Acura level. So instead of range, you got like a really nice interior which yeah. people kind of didn't really, you know, you're like, okay, I understand the pitch, but I don't think people want, especially at that point, because it was only first adopters, and first adopters would rather have range instead of a nice interior, because if they cared about nice interiors, they wouldn't have been buying Teslas. Right. I mean, that's, that's... And,
2: you know, I mean, the, the argument that, that Honda made with, the, you know, with having such a small battery in there was that we well, were going for maximum efficiency. You know, we wanted to... Um, you know, you go with a, a smaller, lighter battery yeah, and the same, same is true for, you know, for Mazda and, and others, you know, Hyundai did the same thing with the original Ionic, you know, if we go with a light, a smaller, lighter battery, you know, we can get more miles per kilowatt hour out of it. Cause you, the car is not so heavy. Um, but I think in the case of, you know, this one, they just, they went too far
0: with it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and they, you know, you tell the people that's hard to explain to somebody who's looking at a car and they're like, well, I can get a Tesla that gets 250 miles or I can get this car that gets 89. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's more efficient. I'm like, they don't care because yeah. more efficient doesn't get you to work and back. <laughs> you yeah, work... exactly. <laughs> more efficient doesn't help you. And, you know, a car, you know, and, and obviously batteries and vehicles have gotten more efficient over time. Um, but at that point, like if, if, even if it was inefficient uh, for that time. You could have gotten, you know, if you work 30 miles away, that's 60 miles with an uh-huh. 89. You know, if you have an 80 mile, 89 mile uh, range vehicle, you're like, you're kind of pushing it. You're like, oh man, yeah. that's that's too much.
2: And and on top of all that, it was kind of homely. It wasn't it was, a pretty. Well, yeah, it, it was wasn't.
0: Not... It wasn't a pretty car. It was really nice inside. It was comfortable. Yeah.
2: No. I mean, I I drove. Yeah. I drove both the plug-in hybrid and the fuel cell versions. And, you know, they, it was a nice interior. It was, you know, very Acura-like. But, yeah, it, it was kind of um, kind fugly of on the outside.
0: It was a hard sell. especially. And yeah. then they came out with the Honda e, and they were really like, well, why don't we get that? Because yeah. it has a little bit more range. But it's also, it's like, it's, it would it's have cute. been like. It's fun. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like the Mini SE. The Mini SE, you know, I think my range chest was 120 miles with that thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Which is fine for most of your sort of cruising around town. But mm-hmm. it was also super fun to drive. Yeah. And you really like being in that car, where yeah. And I think the clarity, you're like, well, it drives, and <laughs> yeah. I hope no one sees me. <laughs> uh,
2: all right, uh, let's do one more story and then answer a few listener questions. Uh, Mini, uh, Mini USA, uh, just as you know, manuals are disappearing. Everybody's, and and this is particularly amusing since Mini has said that you know they're going all electric going forward. You know, all all their upcoming models are going to be electric, which means they almost certainly won't have manual transmissions but many USA is launching a manual driving school uh, at their at the BMW performance center in thermal uh, California um, at the thermal Raceway um, <laughs> I mean I'm glad to see many promoting manuals but you know
0: a little late they're and they're going they're going electric before being the rest of BMW they're like the first ones yeah but, but and they're the only being I like, is it the only, are they the only BMWs you can get with a, in the United States? You can get with a manual transmission. Uh, I yeah, that's it. I think there's no there's no no.
2: You can the the new M2 is going to be available with a manual. I think
0: oh, because the two series doesn't have a manual, but the M2 no. Yeah.
2: I think okay. the M2 is going to be available with a manual. And I right. think the M3 M4 are available with a manual. Maybe not. all right, I, I could be wrong.
0: So it kind of makes sense if you want those yeah. people who want to. Join that enthusiast and you're still staying within the family (laughs) yeah
2: and you know bmw did recently announce that they're going to offer you know some some mini models that haven't offered a manual for the last couple of model years um starting in starting this month uh november um they're going to start offering the manuals again uh in some of those models uh so um there there will be a bunch of minis with manuals available uh at least for a few more years yet um so you know if you're If you don't know how to drive a manual, um, you know, just go take the course. Just learn how to drive a manual just for the fun of it.
0: It's – okay. So taking the course from someone else, A, removes a lot of anxiety and issues you're going to have from learning from your your partner or your parent or your friend or your cousin or just someone you know. And and as a parent of two kids, trust me, there is a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Because now you're like, ah – so it's going to remove that. Also, it's not your car that you're destroying the clutch on. <laughs> Excellent point. You're destroying someone else's clutch. Yes. So if you're have, if you a parent and you have a kid, and you can afford I'm sure this is going to be very expensive. But if you can afford it, and you have, let's say you buy the new M2 with the manual transmission, maybe teaching your kid to drive on that is a bad idea because they're going to melt the clutch. Yes. Um so yeah it, it's I think it's you know it's a good thing um a little oh a little side story from from Honda um uh someone asked about uh elect uh, manual transmissions on electric vehicles and um Ioyama their 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 lead electrification he's like we've researched it it can be done we're not going to do it yeah. because it's it's fake he's like it's fake yeah, it's not real. It's fake. We're not going to do fake manual transmissions on our cars. So it, yeah, so electric vehicles because I mean right now the only there's a two speed on in the Porsche and the e-tron, and that's pretty much all you need. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and that's yeah. only
2: on the rear axle.
0: Yeah, and so yeah, so mm-hmm. so 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 Honda could do it. They're not going to do it because it doesn't make any sense. It's fake, yeah. and, he, and he's like, it's fake. It's artificial. It doesn't make any sense it's not a, it's not a, it's not a thing we're going to do. So. All
2: right. Let's answer some questions. Um, Eddie Moreno, uh, says, asks, uh, don't want to start a rift between you and Robbie, uh, referring to me, I'm assuming, but I'm in the market for either the 2022 Subaru BRZ, uh, or the 2022 Mazda MX-5 Miata. Compare and advise. Thank you.
0: Oh okay. yeah. First of all, how tall is Eddie? Second yes, of all, that was my where... response on Twitter. Where does Eddie live? If Eddie is taller than six foot and he lives somewhere where it rains sometimes, I'm going to say get the BRZ. If Eddie is, is shorter is six foot or shorter and he's somewhere where it's just nice and sunny. A lot of the time, definitely get the Miata. Yeah.
2: Or, you know, again, if you're under six foot and you only plan to drive it, you know, in warm weather months, like I do with mine, um, you know, then again, yeah, you know, Miata is a great choice. So really, you know, for the most part, it comes down to, you know, if you want the sunshine and how tall you are.
0: Yeah. You know, that's both good. of
2: them are great cars. Both of them are going to be a blast to drive. The BRZ has got a little more power, um, you know, and it has that, um, the, the package shelf with the two seat belts, you know, so you can stick your dog back there if you want to. And as long as well as taking your friend or partner with you, um, you don't have that option in the Miata. Uh, just the two seats alone. Um, and I think pricing is similar range for the yeah, two.
0: The BRZ starts at 30, um, but you have to be careful with the BRZ right now because the markups right now on those things are like around oh, here, yeah. thirteen to $15,000 for a $30,000 car.
2: Yeah. Do, do not pay those kind of markups. <sighs> do not, not pay. It's not yeah, worth
0: but, it. But, and I mean, you're, and, and, and I'm sure it's going to be just as bad for the Miata, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe a little less because I don't think it's as new as the BRZ. Yeah. They're just trying to get you. <laughs> yep. All right.
2: <clears throat> Got a couple of questions from Surtur. Uh, first, uh, is there a standard way of testing the health of EV batteries, similar to a compression test for an ICE? Um, so there are standards in development for this, uh, industry standards, uh, but there isn't currently a standard. Um, and the you know the con- the context of this question Uh, I think is probably around um, buying a a used EV. Uh, And this kind of relates to uh, another question uh, that we also had from coach Cabrera. Uh, Any reservations about buying a used EV, one that's two to three years old and has 40 to 60,000 miles on it. Um, Cox automotive, um, which owns a lot of different businesses, They, they own KBB and auto trader and other stuff, but they also own a lot of businesses that are related to automotive retail um, you know, so they do a lot of stuff with dealers. They have dealer management systems. Uh, and one of the businesses they own is Mannheim Auctions. So a lot of, a lot of the used cars that get traded in uh, or come in off of lease end up going to Mannheim. And they get auctioned off and dealers buy them for their used car inventory. Um, last year, Mannheim bought a company called uh, Spires New Technologies. Um, which, among other things, you know, they're, they're in the business of recycling lithium-ion batteries. But one of the things that they had done is they had also developed um, testing procedures for um, lithium-ion batteries. And what Cox and Mannheim are doing now is any used EVs that come through their auction system, they're running through this battery of tests, and they generate a battery health report. Uh, so when if you buy a used EV that came through Mannheim, you know one of the things you'll have is this battery health report. Um, you know most EVs, you know there there is some. It's not usually, of, I think user accessible in the interface, but um, you know there's information stored in in the battery management system about the capacity of the battery. Uh, it you know can be accessed if you go to a, a dealer or a service center, um, and it can tell you the the state of the battery. Um, so, you know, in, in, in general, there's not, you know, a real, um, a standard right now, but we're getting there. We will have something in the next couple of years, but the Mannheim stuff that they're doing is probably the best right now. Uh, so if you buy a used car from, from a dealer, um, you know, and it's gone through Mannheim, they should be able to provide you with that battery health report. Um, and then, you know in general you know if you're talking about a 2 3 year old used car with 40 to 60,000 miles on it the battery's probably going to be fine um the the only exception might be uh a Nissan Leaf that has been driven yeah. you know in Phoenix for its entire history and you know been in 115 120 degree temperatures because the Leaf still has a an air cooled battery but everything else you'll probably be fine
0: yeah they there's oh hey there's a picture of you <laughs> Oh yeah, and <laughs> this article about how the batteries were better than they were scoring better than the oh, okay. EVs score well on Mannheim battery tests. <laughs> and then I'm like scrolling through it really quick, and I'm like, "Hey, there's Sam." <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I talked to somebody some some uh, somebody a couple months ago about this. Um, I talked to
0: somebody about something I don't know. Yeah, I,
2: I, I talked to a lot of <laughs> a lot of journalists. Uh, so I can't, I can't remember who wrote that story. Oh. Uh, I think it might have been somebody from
0: AP uh mm-hmm. Ward's auto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um the grades are pretty good. All yeah. Right. So there you go. They're good, pretty good. And and you know, the yes. other thing is,
2: you know, aside from Tesla's, everybody else offers either 8-year 100,000 mile or 10-year 100, 100 150,000 mile warranty on the battery. So anything with 2 to 3 years that's only got 40 to 60,000 miles on it, it's still going to be under warranty for quite a few more years. Yeah. Um so you know, you could, you could probably do that. You know, I mean, you, you can probably buy a used EV in that range, you know, and feel pretty comfortable about the condition of the battery. Um, okay. Uh, Surtur's other question had to do with, um, you know, given that uh, this weekend, uh, as we record tomorrow, uh, we will be uh, setting the clocks back and going back from daylight savings time in the U.S. to standard time. Uh, says, how do I set the clock in my car, or should I just ignore it until March? Um, I don't know about you, but I would just ignore it.
0: So I have two – we have two – we have three vehicles. One of them, it just changes automatically. The yeah. the, the Hyundai, it just does it. Easy peasy. The BRZ um, just has – right next to the little clock, just has two little tiny buttons. One says H, and one says M. And you just tap that those buttons, and you just keep going until you hit the number. It's like the easiest clock that we have <laughs> Anywhere, house, car, whatever, to set the Jaguar, it's, it's, still from, uh, it's still on standard time and it's also 12 hours off. So, <laughs> right now, we're, we're recording, it's now 11 a.m. So, it says it's 10 p.m. now in my Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at it and I'm driving, I look at it and I'm like, I'll ah, just wait. <laughs> and yeah. I waited until t- and tomorrow it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And and still be, you know... It'll still be 12 hours off, but the time, the number will be correct.
2: And, and if, you, if you have a newer car that's got Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, that interface is going to show the time from your phone anyway. So just ignore the, the, the built-in clock in the, in the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> finally, uh, Adam J. asks, uh, curious what you all think of this interview with Tesla's former autopilot, uh, uh, an FSD guy, uh, referring to Andre Carpathy, who uh, a few months ago uh, left Tesla. Uh, but he was their head of AI and led the autopilot and full self-driving uh, program. Uh, his justifications for no radar or sensors in their cars. Um, so this was uh, a Forbes article written by Brad Templeton. Uh, Brad's a very smart guy, um, and I think you know what Brad said in there. I I pretty much agree with you know I I think I think Carpathy's arguments for this are nonsense. Uh, For not using anything (laughs) but cameras, Um,
0: yeah, it's it's going to be harder. I'm like, well, sensor fusion has been around for a long time, and my phone can do it, and cars have been doing it, other cars are do it. Don't don't pretend like it's harder. Well, do better. How about that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's okay. So, you know, fusing camera, radar, and lidar signals together to create one environment model, yes, that's a little more difficult, but it also gives you a much more reliable view of what's around you whereas having just cameras especially the way tesla's got theirs configured um is not so good you know it um you know because you can't accurately measure distance you you know it's a lot harder to measure the trajectory of where car, where other vehicles are going um you know under a lot of lighting conditions that they, they don't work as great um you know so yeah it's a simpler system but it's ultimately going to be more, much more limited in what it can do, um, and you know, if you actually wanted a proper, true self-driving system that is reliable and
0: robust, do it the right way. Don't don't, don't take shortcuts. Yeah, and there's you have redundancy, and it, yeah. it, it, it drives me nuts that you know Tesla had a. Uh, a computer day, I forget what it was, an AI day. I don't know, investor day. Yeah. I forget what they call it. Every time it, it's it was... a different every time it's a different name. But they talked about how they had the, all these redundancies in their um their hardware, their computer hardware. They're like, oh we have redundancy for this and we have redundancy for that and we have redundancy for this and they redundancy, redundancy, they just kept hammering redundancy. But they don't have redundancy when it comes to the sensors that actually see the road. And that's yeah. what that's what you have when you have radar, lidar and cameras is that you have redundancy so when one fails or it's difficult for one to see because of whatever reason the other two can pick it up can can come in and help and the idea is like well we have redundancy except for this one thing yeah you're like well that oh man come on guys
2: (laughs) yeah it's 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 kind of ridiculous um but um Actually, that that reminds me of one thing I forgot to mention about the seven series earlier. Uh, this is the first BMW that actually has hands free driving capability with their um, uh, drive uh, Drive Assistant Plus uh, Wait,
0: assistant. so is it hands free above forty? Yeah. Okay. Cause
2: oh, right yeah. Now it, previously, they had hands free below forty miles an hour, like yeah. traffic traffic jam pilot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but now, now it can do hands free up to whatever speed like super cruise and uh, yeah like it's super more like cruise super cruise. cruise there we go yeah so it's geofenced to highways um and they they have um a new camera configuration they've gone from a trifocal front camera system to a two camera system but the the long range uh camera lo- long range uh to wide angle to long range camera uh is an eight megapixel camera now uh with which has a lot more resolution than the 1.3 megapixel cameras they used previously and the Tesla still uses. Um, and then they've also got a bunch of five radars around the perimeter as well.
0: See? Redundancy. Yep. <laughs>
2: and next year they plan to launch an L3 system with LiDAR, but only in Germany and Japan. That there are no plans right now to bring that to the U.S. market.
0: Oh. Because like, yeah. Mercedes is trying to bring theirs to the market, and they have—they're talking to California and Nevada, and you're just like, okay, well, it works here, but now we're going to turn it off if you drive to Arizona, and you have to do. I—I I don't, yeah. I mean, yeah. hats off to to Mercedes for doing the work, to to bring that here, um, but I—it I, just seems like a huge pain in the ass. Yeah.
2: <laughs> It's going to have, you know, limited usefulness,
0: you know, up to 37 miles an hour. You know, yeah, so. yeah. You're just like, I'm stuck in traffic, so I can, like, if you live in L.A., it's perfect. If you're yeah. stuck, yeah, if you live in somewhere where just traffic is just trash, then it's, it's outstanding. If you live anywhere else, you're just like, oh, okay. Yep.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next
1: time. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.